and welcome back. You're tuned in to the HBC Nation Radio Show, and I'm your host, Anthony Ray. Glad to have you join the broadcast today. You know, we have known for years that students of color feel more at home and perform better in schools where they feel supported and safe. The student environment fit is very important for student success, and a recent report reaffirmed just how important campus climate is to student outcomes. The Gallup-Purdue poll noted that black graduates of HBCUs are significantly more likely to have felt supported while in college and to be thriving afterward than their black peers who graduated from PWIs. For more than 150 years, HBCUs have been providing diverse learning environments from students to faculty to administration, ensuring that every student has a chance to succeed. The nation needs HBCUs now more than ever before. And we're blessed to have our good friend, Bill Hubbard, who is going to be talking about a, his, his whole piece that he has written entitled The Value of HBCUs. Now, now Bill Hubbard, for over 48 years, uh, he has been a noteworthy leader in the financial services industry. You may know him from his work as the CEO and president of First Merchants Financial Services, but Bill can also be credited with contributions to businesses, education, and community. Bill has been honored with the Better Business Bureau Marketplace Ethics Award, which is the highest award displayed for his contributions to integrity. He holds a bachelor's degree from North Carolina A&T and currently resides in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. While at A&T, he met his wife, Brenda, for 46 years, and they have five children and eight grandchildren. Now, currently, uh, Bill serves as the uh, treasurer and, and, and development fund manager for the Greater Greensboro Black Chamber of Commerce. And again, we're honored to have him today joining the show, and we're going to be talking about the values of HBCUs. Bill Hubbard, my good friend, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. I'm honored to, to be here today to talk on a subject that I have been preaching all my life. <laughs> That's often. Now, see, man, when we, go a, back, we go back for a little while. I see why you were at A&T. <laughs> you were very actively involved even then uh, as, as a young uh, man in various organizations such as the SGA, Treasurer. Uh, you served with Reverend Nelson Johnson, who was the vice president then, and you also became a member of Alpha Phi Alpha Omega Fraternity uh, while you were there uh, at A&T and the editor-in-chief of the yearbook and newspaper. I mean, I tell you, man, you, you've just been busy right from day one, <laughs> you know, even as a student. <laughs> and here you are now, you know, almost some 50 years later, you know, uh, on the scene, doing things, making a difference. And so uh, we salute you and we thank you for all your uh, many uh, incredible contributions to business, education, and community. Well, uh, thank you very much. I was telling someone just yesterday uh, that I have been a member of the NAACP all my life since I was 10 years wow. old. Wow. And uh, I just had a classmate uh, sent me, and this is interesting for you to know, mm -hmm. that uh, in 1960, when the uh, Greensboro Four students sat in at the Woolworth County in Greensboro for the sit-in, mm -hmm. seven days mm -hmm. later, 
Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't know this. Mm-hmm. Seven days later, my former NAACP president, Reverend Nixon, in my hometown mm-hmm. of New Bern, we had 29 wow. sit-ins. Wow. 29. 29. And wow. 29. Mm-hmm. And so we just had a uh, a commemoration mm-hmm. of that just this past week. And Reverend Nixon's daughter and I was in school together, and she shared that tidbit of information. I told her, I said, unfortunately, at the age of 10, mm-hmm. I, Reverend Nixon would let me ride with him to various places, and we got confronted by the Ku Klux Klan and mm. various other things. But uh, I did not know that one, it was only seven days is when he mm. gathered high school students mm-hmm and other ministers to have this sit-in in the S.H. Crest, Crest uh, uh, store there in New Bern, North Carolina. So I'm, we have a proud history uh, in New Bern, North Carolina. So a lot of a lot of cities got recognition, mm-hmm. but I just found out, and I'm honored that, uh, 27. that we had 29. 29. Thank you for sharing. I had no idea about that. That is just incredible, and you're right. And sometimes, you know, um, and that's why we do things like this. We get information that you may not be aware of when you have these kind of conversations and sharing and talking. This, and it's so appropriate while we're talking about this during um, Black History Month. Now, you and I were talking about the yes. other day. You were excited uh, about the fact that you were going to even be speaking at your church there at Union. Um, it's a Union Baptist Church in, in Winston-Salem? That is correct. That's, that's right. Yes. A- about the values of HBCU, if your pastor asked you to um, just to uh, talk to the congregation about that and also to the children, and we wanted to invite you on the show today to kind of give us some uh, highlights uh, about uh, what you're going to be talking about. And then most importantly, uh, why you are why you're so passionate about advocating for HBCUs, and and uh, when did you uh, uh, feel compelled that you wanted to speak about this point in particular, the values of HBCU, and why is that pressing so much in your heart? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because uh, coming from a small town like I did, and all-black high school, all-black elementary school, and, mm-hmm. you know, all of us, there was about 20 of us gentlemen that we all decided, and this is rather interesting, mm-hmm. that we all wanted to go to A&T together. Wow. And my, and, and, and my, my original thought was all of us was poor, obviously, in, mm-hmm. in, in, in economic, but we were rich in spirit, wow. you see. Mm-hmm. So we none of us. And if I, and I may talk about some of the guys that I went to A&T with that I had the pleasure to go to college with, but I originally wanted to go in the Air Force because I knew my mama didn't have the money to send me to, to no college, more or less mm-hmm. A&T. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so when 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 I told her I was going to the Air Force, she she vetoed that. She vetoed that. She says, you know, whatever. I can do to help you go to college. And my grandmother gave me $5. Wow. And the pastor of our church, because mm-hmm. we didn't own a car. Right. So the pastor of my church mm-hmm. came to my house, mm-hmm. and my mother got the pastor to drive me from New Bern, North Carolina, mm-hmm. to Greensboro, North Carolina. Wow. Where I went to A&T. 
And uh, but fortunately, there was we had about twenty other classmates from J.T. Barber High School. Mm-hmm. And if that is the reason why what I learned and the people that I met and the experiences that I had, it it it, it bonded me. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, there was something about the first time I went to A and T as a track. Uh, guy, because I played, I ran track, and we had a state track meet, and there was just something about the atmosphere, mm. about walking around that campus. Wow! And so, I I just been uh, not only a staunch advocate of, of obviously of A and T, but all black colleges, because I tell people every day, all black colleges have mm. a need, no matter what city or state they're in. There's a need for all of them, for mm-hmm. everybody. Wow. So, you know, that's uh, that's so. powerful. Now, now, what did you what what was your event in track and field? I ran the mile. Okay, okay, wow. Yeah, yeah, my buddy. And, but I was a ba- but I grew up as a baseball player. I played baseball, mm-hmm. but uh, that was my main sport. Matter mm-hmm. of fact, I had a cousin that was one of the first blacks to play in the minor leagues for the New York Yankees back in the fifties. Wow. Yeah. And wow. So, uh, so yeah, I, I I um I always I always say, matter of fact when I got the NT baseball coach he had heard about me he said Bill I know you're gonna come out for the baseball thing. <laughs> and I, now, just, I how just you gonna go, do that in the spring how I, you gonna run out what you call outside track men and play baseball I had some boys that was trying to do that back in the day when I was in high school too and that that, yeah. that, that was pretty good that that was pretty cool and uh, man, well this, you know yeah, how it was. yeah oh yeah oh yeah well, you know when we was coming along you mm-hmm. played baseball basketball, that's right that's field, right everything all the way around. And yeah, I was in the band, so, you know what I'm saying, at the same time. <laughs> so. uh-huh. Yeah, so that's great, that's great. So, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I I, I, I want to talk about, the, the, the first of all, the importance mm-hmm. of HBCU because, you know, I I just recently ran, read some information, mm-hmm. which I didn't know about Edward Waters. Right. Uh, college. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I was just flabbergasted. Oh yeah. You know, because my my sister-in-law lives there in Jacksonville, and I've driven by Edward Waters College on mm-hmm. many occasions. Right. And uh, but but to read uh, the narrative on that school, I think it got started in 1864, which is 24 years before my alma mater got started. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I and mean, and it, even it, now they're shocking. up, they're up and they're thriving and doing great work down there, and uh, yeah, they're doing a, a great work down there in, in Edward Waters College, and so. But you're saying that you, what was it that you wanted to share in particular? Did you find out that, that was that you found to be uh, just so awesome about it? Well, the, when 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 I, I I I sort of suspected that it was named after a person, mm-hmm. but exactly. then when mm-hmm. I read. That it was cha- the name was changed to Edward Waters mm-hmm. after a bishop down there, mm-hmm. and but the school I, I can't recall around the, the tip of my tongue now. Right, but it right. wasn't called Edward Waters at first. Right, I see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so when I read that, I'm like, oh man, that just mm-hmm. makes me feel so proud. I mean, mm-hmm. cause here we are, A and T started 1891. Land grant school. I think Edward mm-hmm. Waters might be the oldest. Mm. Of all of the schools that we got, mm-hmm. we got to look at Cheney. Well, no, Wilberforce, yeah. Wilberforce, and Cheney Wilberforce. up there. Wilberforce so yeah, so old. back and forth, exactly, exactly. But the bottom line is that um, for, for more than 150 years, 
HBCUs have been providing diverse learning environments and from students to faculty to administration and, and ensuring that yeah. every student has a chance to succeed and the nation needs HBCUs now more than ever before. And I know you agree with that and that's why you are so passionate in talking about the value of HBCUs. Very mm-hmm. much so. Mm-hmm. Very much mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But you know, but along that and, line. And, and, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. yeah, well, you know, the, the, I always tell people, if you look at whether whether you're in Winston-Salem, Greensboro, or mm-hmm. Nashville, Tennessee, mm-hmm. you will find that the majority mm-hmm. of the leaders mm-hmm. in any of these cities, whether it be from a government standpoint right. or whether it be from educational or dental or doctor, mm-hmm. I mean, these people graduated from HBCUs. That's right. Twenty percent. That's right. If I'm not mistaken. Of mm-hmm. all black medical professionals, mm-hmm. probably graduated from Xavier University. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. They have. The, I think they have about the highest percentage. Now, because we know about the, the contribution of Howard sure. University Medical School. Mm-hmm. But if I'm not mistaken, and I read somewhere mm-hmm. that about twenty percent mm-hmm. of a lot of the medical professionals. Mm-hmm. in America actually graduate or come from Xavier University. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, fantastic. They've so, been drinking uh, Xavier so we, we, mm-hmm, and, and Mahari Medical and how they've all been yeah. doing a great job, you know, because, uh, you know, when, when we take a look at that and actually uh, just really look at the numbers to see uh, what the numbers tell us and the numbers don't lie, uh, it's very clear that though HBCUs only make up three uh, percent of the uh, nation's uh, higher ed institutions, you know, and, and on an average more than 300,000 students attend HBCUs uh, each and every year. Uh, HBCUs, of course, uh, graduate uh, more than 20 percent of all African-American graduates in general and 25 percent yeah. of all uh uh, African-American students in um, the STEM fields of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. If you're just joining us, you're tuned in to the HBCU Nation Radio Show, and I'm your host, Anthony Ray. Glad to have you join the broadcast today. Uh, you know that we've known for years that students of color feel more at home and perform better in schools where they feel supported and safe. And the student environment fit is very important for student success. And a recent report, we affirm just how important campus climate is to student outcomes. The Gallup-Purdue poll noted that black graduates of HBCUs are more likely to have felt supported while in college and to be thriving afterward than their black counterparts who graduated from PWIs. For more than 150 years, HBCUs have been providing diverse learning environments from students to faculty, to administration, ensuring that every student has a chance to succeed. Uh, I'm convinced, I'm sure that most of you are also, that the nation needs HBCUs now more than ever before. Bottom line, HBCUs offer a true value value proposition and a rooted in faith and community and service. And today we're blessed to have joining us for this special episode, our good friend, William Bill Hubbard. Now, for over 48 years, Bill Hubbard has been a noteworthy leader in the financial services industry. You may know him for his work as the CEO and president of First Merchants Financial Services, but Bill can also be credited for 
contributions to business and education and community. And currently, he also serves as uh, the treasurer and uh, development man, fund manager uh, for the Greensboro, the Greater Greensboro um, Black Chamber of Commerce. He, uh, while at A&T, he's a graduate of A&T, he has a bachelor's degree from A&T University, and resides in Mississippi, North Carolina. And while he was at North Carolina A&T, he met his wife, Brenda, of 46 years, and they have five kids and eight grandchildren. And today, uh, he's on the show to talk about... Um, what he's most concerned about is that just expressing to everyone that he can talk to, particularly even coming up on church this coming Sunday, he's going to be talking about the values of HBCU. Again, Bill Hubbard, my good friend, welcome to the show. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. I, I, I consider it an honor. I, I, I never uh, cease to talk about the importance hmm. of our black universities mm-hmm. and colleges. Mm-hmm. Um, I always tell people there's three things that our schools have had challenges with, and of course you would know this. Mm-hmm. We've always been underfunded. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and yeah. we've been under-resourced. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me, though, uh, and of course, understaffed. Yeah. Now, yeah. I, I, I do have a little bit of bone with that understaffed part because mm-hmm. – I think back to my uh, high school uh, days, mm-hmm. and of course, I knew we were underfunded, right. and of course, I knew we didn't have the resources, but I don't feel like that we were understaffed because, mm-hmm. uh, and I think this is the reason why I'm so passionate mm-hmm. about black colleges, because coming from a black high school, those teachers mm-hmm. care yeah. about you as right. a person. Right. And so, and I found that that was the same environment that I, I found at North Carolina A&T. And I'm sure that's what a lot of kids mm-hmm. found at North Carolina Central mm-hmm. and St. Augustine sure. and Shaw right. and Johnson, right. you mm-hmm. see. Mm-hmm. So when they say understaffed, I do have a little bit of a bone mm-hmm. to pick with that mm-hmm. because our instructors, at mm-hmm. our schools, mm-hmm. they made sure that you did what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. see, right? So they 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 they, they took the lemons mm-hmm. and made lemonade out of right. that. That's you right. see, exactly. And so uh, you mm-hmm. know, you might have some of these schools where they got four or five assistants, mm-hmm. but our teachers made sure. Mm-hmm. I never forget. I had one math instructor that. Uh, at North Carolina A&T, and he knew that I was involved Mm -hmm. in student affairs. Right. And so even with with me missing Mm. classes, Mm -hmm. when I would get in there, he would say, okay, you you need to make up what you missed yesterday or the day before. Right. See, he didn't didn't scorn me or try to belittle me Mm -hmm. because he understood. Right. See, if I was at a majority college, mm-hmm. chances are I might have flunked the whole class or they would kick me out of class for, <laughs> right. for not even coming to class. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so I'll never forget that about that uh, math instructor and I, I actually end up getting a B out of that class. So, wow. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so it, it was, so I, I do I, I do know that, you know, a lot of our schools 
are understaffed, but mm-hmm. I say only understaffed in the in the in the reality of there are jobs hmm. and that can be done hmm. and some help that can be if they had the money to hire more teachers. Mm-hmm. But our black schools do a great job with what staff they got, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. so I I, I I I'm I'm very very honored of that. Yeah, and absolutely, so, uh, absolutely. I'm just, again, happy to have you here to talk about um, what's dear to your heart, the values of HBCUs. And we all know, uh, as I said before, you're going to be talking about this at church, and the HBCUs are uh, really just come out of the church, okay? Black churches have a long time been the pillars of the black community and the history and the life of the black colleges. Most of them were birthed out of the, right out of the church, out of the church basement, if you will. And um, that's why folk often say that HBCUs offer a true value, values proposition. Not only are they a, a great value to their students, but they also produce students with great values. What do you say about that? Oh, that is so, so, so true. All you have to do is really look at the uh, the number of the uh, students that have gone on to uh, higher learning, masters and doctoral degrees, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you will find that the percentage, and I don't have those figures in front of me, but I do know for a fact mm-hmm. that the, the majority of those positions are students who attended HBCUs mm-hmm. in their preliminary stages. Right. And they've gone on to bigger and brighter and better things. So, mm-hmm. uh, as a matter of fact, I have my daughters. I I have three kids that went to North Carolina a and I had a sister wow. that went to North Carolina Central. I had a sister mm-hmm. that went to North Carolina a and right. So, I understand that the value of these universities, because we were broke, as they mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay? Mm-hmm. And these these universities gave us a chance. Mm-hmm. I have my I have a good friend that works with attorney Willie Gary, mm-hmm. and uh, you think about it. I tell people every day. I said if you wanted to hire an attorney today to represent you mm-hmm. in whatever situation you had dealing with suing someone right. or what have you, mm-hmm. I said if you ask ten people which attorney they would like to have, mm-hmm. probably only one of the blacks would hmm. say Willie Gary. I mm-hmm. said, but here's the thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he would be the number one choice right. in my book, and he would be the number one choice in a lot of folks' books. Hmm. Because guess what? Shaw University mm-hmm. gave him a chance. Wow. There would be no Willie Gary That's without right. Shaw right. University. That's- that's right. That's right. Exactly. And I says, and I can go, and I can, I can go down the list mm-hmm. of every black university, whether it's Claflin University, mm-hmm. whether it's South Carolina State University. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, I read something the other day. You might know more about this than I do, mm-hmm. but even though South Carolina State is part of the state of South Carolina university system, mm-hmm. they have been underfunded for That's over right. $6 million That's right. in the last several years. That's right. That's right. We, we, had, we, had, we discussed it on the show. It's supposed to be a dollar-for-dollar dollar match by the state that comes from the federal government, and they've only been funding them at 40% for years. Yeah. Yeah, so, so that, that, that so sounds these, like that needs to be addressed there. That's what you said. Um, if Thurgood Marshall was here, he said you need to take these folk to school. In other words, you need to take them to school. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things you remedy is going to have to be done uh, in a court of law 
And so, yeah, yeah. in that particular case and all of that. But, you know, as, as we all know, for more than 100 years, HBCUs have been educating uh, uh, young folk and, and giving them economic opportunities and instilling great values. And not only have they consistently produced leaders uh, in the community, uh, you know, the, the, the think about it and across the nation, HBCUs today are consistently and affordably producing the leaders of the future. Would you agree? Oh, yes. Very much so. Very mm-hmm. much so. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm so proud of the fact that, and I don't know if you heard, but you probably have, mm-hmm. but I got a, uh email on Friday mm-hmm. of this, just this past week, mm-hmm. and it was telling me, Mr. Hubbard, are you aware that Alabama A&M hmm. has about 11 acres of land, and the Board of Trustees just voted Friday mm-hmm. to build mm-hmm. 134,000 square foot event center mm-hmm. on that land. Mm-hmm. And here's the part that I'm really thrilled about. Mm-hmm. Three acres of the land, Anthony, mm-hmm. is going to be reserved It'll probably be the only university, especially mm-hmm. black, right. that's going to have a hotel mm-hmm. right, right next there to it. There on that, there right next go. to it. There you go. That's uh, a game changer. That, that's a generating oh. income generating thing. See, and you got to have those kind of innovative ideas um, beyond just tuition and fees. Um, you need to have a plan in place, and that's that's a good thing. That's going to generate some income. That's going to help them do something and be a blessing, of course, in their endowment fund and helping them to stay uh, financially um, sound. Oh, man, yes. I, I, I was just so proud to read about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just it just thrilled your heart because mm-hmm. just the amount of money. Yeah. And when I was just getting the information about the fact that you got uh, – and this happens all over the country. Sure. But you have outlaws who don't have sufficient space to mm-hmm. hold events. I mean, I was just flabbergasted when it said, mm. I think that place is going to hold, going to have a convention center in there that holds 5,000 people. Wow. Wow. That's pretty cool. I said, so you think yeah. about it. Right. That means that that place can be leased out right. to That's the right. community. Exactly. And mm-hmm. have events. I mm-hmm. mean, so the economic impact to right. Alabama and m mm. is just huge. Mm. It's just huge. Wow. And so that's just that's just one of many things that uh, we as a, a, a black institution can look at doing to do things for yourself. Because if you add up all the money they probably spent down through the years. Right. And they talked about that. To rent space. Right. That's right. I mean, I think it says every semester they graduate like 450 students and have to rent space. And wow. I mean, so uh, I'm just excited for Alabama and m I'm just mm-hmm. excited, and mm-hmm. I, maybe maybe some more black schools will, will look at the fact that they got land. Because I know NT, we've been building dormitories like mad. Right, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when people come to Greensboro and walk around, I, I tell people, I said, I, I I'm over there uh, all the time. Mm-hmm. I said, but every time I go, it seems like I see something new. Right, <laughs> and that's a blessing to to so, be able to see that. Yeah, exactly. Because you you don't want to see them struggling. You want to see the schools um, thriving. And, and part of that uh, is to have a 
uh, you know, a particular plan in place, a business plan that just can help you to uh, generate some, um, some revenue. And the bottom line, though, when it's, when it's talking about it, you're talking about it a minute ago about impact and uh, the, the financial impact uh, uh, that, uh, are, that the schools uh, have. And you know, UNCF put a report out uh, last year uh, talking about uh, across the entire landscape uh, just exactly um, the kind of in, the economic impact that HBCUs have, man, you know, it's absolutely incredible. Uh, and then you start breaking that down in, to regionally and all of that. And as you said before, uh, Alabama A&M now with that uh, multi-million dollar uh, e- uh, e- event center and, event uh, and, and the hotel and and the other things the folk are doing, just the salaries and all of that, you know, the economic impact uh, that HBCUs have in the communities and the regions uh, where they are are just absolutely uh, phenomenal. And that's what I would think that uh, and folk understand that, policymakers understand that, and uh, folk in D.C., folk in your, in your state capitals, they get that. And that's why I believe there's a, this renewed effort, if you will, to ensure that uh, – uh, um, they're doing what they need to do to make sure these schools are adequately funded. Yes, mm-hmm. very much so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and along with that, and, and we, we have to be candid, uh, for whatever reason, unfortunately, uh, we as graduates of these schools, we do have to do a better job in supporting our institutions. Mm-hmm. We, we mm-hmm. can't. In terms of alumni giving you yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. Right. And, mm-hmm. and so I think there's, uh, at least I hope there is a, a concerted effort. I know at A&T I, gotta, I get calls and, and letters from our alumni association all the time, mm-hmm. and we have a major campaign going on right now, which I am so happy to say that uh, when we started on the campaign that uh, we have actually reached the – amount and I think it's like eighty million dollars wow. that we have gotten and I'm so just so humbly proud of what the our alumni president and fundraiser has he put forth a powerful I think it was eighty five million now more I think about it. Mm-hmm. Um so that's great. And wow. so we still have a little bit more time left on the campaign and so uh that means that we would not only meet our goal but surpass it and so that's 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 something that we can all be proud of, and you know I think that uh, all of our universities, you know, can uh, make a concerted effort, and I think a lot of the alumni uh, now is is they're seeing more value right. in giving back. Right. You see what I'm saying, and that's mm-hmm. what that's what it's all about. You mm-hmm. know, because I told all my kids. You know, you can go to any university you want after you leave the HBCU. Right. <laughs> you, can, you can go to you can go to any school you want to my daughter. Right. Maybe you can get your masters, right. your doctors from right. anywhere right. after you leave A and T. Right, right, right. I love it. So uh, I love it. But uh, but yeah, man. So you know that that's uh, I, we we as as leaders now we have to emphasize the importance because I told somebody I said if you want to see a real change. Hmm. In America, mm-hmm. you let some of the top athletes mm-hmm. in each state right. go to our black schools, right. and you will really see a disparity mm-hmm. real quick. Cause oh, let yeah. Gramlin or oh, yeah. North Carolina Central or 
right. win the national championship. Right. Oh, go, right. go, go, go. I yeah. mean, you I talk about you. changes. Yeah. Oh, see. yeah. Oh, yeah. I it mean, would, yeah, it, know, would, it, it would be that way if things were different. Of course, they recruit all of our players the way you and I been around long enough, we already know. We could be the days of Grambling, Eddie Robinson, and with, with HBCUs, wouldn't be any NFL without HBCUs. And, and so, Amen. yeah, these young Amen. kids don't know that. But getting back to wrap it all up, we're talking about the value of HBCUs. Just, again, the economic impact of HBCUs is close to $15 billion uh, on, on the whole U.S. economy. And so, man, wow. that's pretty phenomenal. And, and the numbers don't lie. That's the bottom line. Again, so HBCUs really strengthen our nation in total. And so the HBCUs generating close to $15 billion in terms of the uh, economic impact annually, that's equivalent uh, to ranking in the top 200 on the Fortune 500 list of America's largest corporations. Amen. Yeah, oh, and, that, and that's something. See, that's you're, and you're, you're the money, man. You already know. See, I know you're getting goosebumps just <laughs> hearing that. You're getting goosebumps just hearing that because you, you really, truly appreciate that. And and, and we appreciate you uh, for over 48 years. You've been a noteworthy leader in the financial services industry, and you have um, you can be credited with contributions to business, education, and community. And so we, we salute you today uh, during this Black History Month observance, not only the folk who have passed away, but folk who are still here with us. So you are a living legend, uh, Mr. Bill Hubbard, uh, A&T graduate. I met your wife there. You and Brenda for, for some 46 years. God bless you, sir, all the great work that you're doing. And now that we're connected, I look forward to us um, working together in a, a very close way to do all that we can to advocate on behalf of our nation's HBCUs, and hope we get, I hope we get a chance to get through there and be with you this coming Sunday. <laughs> amen, amen. We'll be glad to have you, oh, and I say we recognize you. Yeah. So thank you very Everybody, much, and okay. it's certainly been an honor. Yes, and I'm looking forward to uh, getting uh, another conversation on uh, to help express my yes. not only my joy and my right. pleasure, yes. but the future right. of HBCU. That's right. That's right. The That's future right. is bright, despite all the, right. the negative right. things Absolutely. that's been published. The future Absolutely. is bright. You better believe it. Okay, Bill Hubbard. Thanks a lot. Appreciate you, brother. Until next time, take care. All right. You'll be blessed. All right.